Hey everybody, welcome to episode 234 of the Running Rogue podcast. This is your host Chris McClung coming to you from Austin, Texas. And I'm excited about today's episode because we're going to be talking about common running insecurities. Common running insecurities, at least the ones I see commonly among the athletes that I coach. So we're going to talk about those hang-ups, those insecurities that you might face. Three in particular that I see most commonly, and then we're going to talk about how to work through those insecurities. I promise you, everyone has them. Everyone has probably all three of these in some form or another at various times, and so you are not alone if that's you, but I want to hopefully preach some positivity, some optimism into your life, and help you deal with some of these insecurities as they pop up, at least give you better tools for dealing with them. So we'll get to that in just a second. Before we do, I wanted to quickly give a shout out to Green Chef, the sponsor for this episode. I'll be giving you an offer code in the middle of the episode for $90 off, including free shipping with Green Chef. They're the number one meal kit company for eating well. So we'll get to that offer code in the middle of the episode. But let's go ahead and jump straight into our main topic today. We're going to be talking about Common running insecurities, three common running insecurities that I see often as a coach and honestly that I personally deal with at various times as an athlete. And I think there are various tentacles to these three different common insecurities, but I think it's pretty safe to say that all of us have each of them in one form or another at various times. And so the first thing to recognize as we listen to this episode is that you are not alone in facing these things. You are not alone in facing these things. Every single person, regardless of where you fit on the running spectrum or regardless of what your goals might be, I promise you that at some point or another, you face one or all three of these challenges. And that's true For those runners that you see at the front of the pack, those runners in the middle, and those runners that might be closer to the back of the pack, it's true for all runners. And as someone who has worked with all levels of runners, I promise you I see this at all levels. No one is immune from these insecurities regardless of how well you think they have it put together or regardless of how well you think they're doing compared to what you're doing. I promise you they're facing these challenges even elite athletes, those pro runners, I promise you, are facing these challenges. And so that's the first point of truth I want to give you that you're not alone in facing these things. And the second point of truth here is that it's probably impossible to make these feelings, these insecurities go entirely away. I think about it just like anxiety or nervousness standing on a starting line of a race It's very similar to that in that regardless of how many races you line up for, you're probably always going to have a little bit of nervousness, a little bit of anxiety standing on a start line because that means your goals are big enough. That means you're striving, you're going for something, and that's okay. That nervousness isn't a bad thing in and of itself. And I don't necessarily think these insecurities by themselves are necessarily a bad thing. The question is, How do you deal with them? How do you deal with them? And can you develop the tools to recognize them when they come and then appropriately dispatch or dismiss them in 
those moments so that they don't take over you or change how you're operating or change how you view yourself because of them. So by themselves, not necessarily evil or bad. It's really just a question of how you face and manage them and hopefully push them aside so that you can get on to thinking positively and get on to smashing the goals that you have in front of you. And so that's my second point of truth here is that everyone faces these things and also you're never going to get rid of them. You're never going to get rid of them, but you will develop better tools for coping with them and sort of dispatching the devil on the shoulder when he or she pops up versus letting them overtake your thoughts and start to embed or get in the way of what you might be doing to achieve your goals. So it's okay because you're not alone in having them in these, you're not alone in having these insecurities, but it's also okay in that they're probably unavoidable by human nature. We're always doubting ourselves. That's just something that comes with the territory, some perhaps more than others. But if you learned the tools to cope and dispatch these insecurities when they come, to cope with and dispatch these insecurities when they come, then you'll be better for it. So we're going to talk about the insecurities, how they might manifest, and then we're going to talk about how you cope and deal with these insecurities. So here we go. So let's talk about insecurity number one. Number one, people might say in their own heads or in conversations with others, I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy. Typically, the worthy element comes when they're thinking about perhaps or comparing themselves to others. So I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy. And so how does that manifest in the specific, it can tend to manifest in people calling themselves too slow, too old, perhaps too heavy to do what they want to do, or to be worthy to represent within a certain peer group. And as a coach, I see this from beginner athletes who might be thinking that they're not good enough or worthy to start on a journey like others that they see might be in their mind, quote unquote, better than them. And so you will hear athletes say, well, I'm not a runner, but I would like to consider doing X. And so there's this caveat that often comes with that new runner or that new individual in the sport who would say, I'm not a runner, and then they therefore couch what they're, what is possible based on that self-deprecating comment. Or they'll say, I'm too slow to want X, Y, and Z. And or, as I said, others will say, I'm too old to aspire to PR. I'm too heavy to get what I want in this sport. And so there's a lot of ways this can manifest, but the overarching theme here is that I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy because of fill in the blank about myself. And so let's break this down for a second. First of all, when I think about our sport, this is one area where I get frustrated because I think, Oftentimes, this insecurity is reinforced 
by the structural elements of the sport where because of the way things are structured, because of the way we talk about the sport, because of perhaps some of the embedded practices and training and coaching, people are given the impression that might be on the outside or even partially on the way in that they're not good enough. So there are definite elitist pockets of our sport that frustrate me that would push out the messages that you're only good enough if you can run X time in a 5K or you're only good enough if you can run X time in a marathon. That has no place, in my opinion, in the sport. Anyone who wants to move forward through space, putting one foot in front of the other, is worthy of this sport. So for me, the famous Bill Bowerman quote, if you have a body, you're an athlete, rings extremely true here. That I don't care who you are or what your starting place is. If you have a body and you're ready and willing to put one foot in front of another, then you are worthy enough for this sport. You need not change a single thing to be worthy for this sport. You need not be any quote-unquote faster, any quote-unquote younger, any quote-unquote leaner. You need not be any of those things to be worthy for the sport. All you have to do is be present and be willing to put one foot in front of the other. That is what defines worth as it relates to the sport from my perspective is just being ready and willing to show up for it. But as I said, there are a lot of different forces that are telling you otherwise. And so I think there are some things we need to do as a sport to reframe how this is talked about, how things are talked about. And then there's also things that you need to do individually to reframe how you think about yourself as it relates to this sport. Because I promise you, there will always be someone else that you think is faster, someone else that you think is younger, someone else that you think is leaner or has a body shape or type that you would envy. There will always be someone else that you could compare yourself to and therefore think that you're not worthy, but you are worthy. If you're present, if you're showing up, if you're putting one foot in front of the other, then you are worthy of this sport. That to me is message number one. I don't care who you are. And I think I've talked about this before on the podcast. I think you only have to go to a road race of any distance and look at the people that are participating and you'll see all shapes, all sizes, all backgrounds, all brands of humans represented out there. And in that group, you should be able to see someone that you can relate to, to say, hey, if they can do it, they look like me, I can do it. And while we certainly have opportunity for better representation of certain groups, completely agree with that, and I've talked about it on the show, while there's certainly that opportunity there is still 
I think, an ability for anyone to find others that look like them doing the sport and then therefore say, I can do it too. But even without that, there is an opportunity for us all to recognize that, hey, we're worthy of this sport. And so for me as a coach, I try to preach that. And as a way I try to communicate that to athletes, I want them to know that no matter what their goals are, no matter what their starting point is, that I'm going to be as excited about their goal as I am about anybody else's. I don't care what pace you're running. I don't care what the nature of the goal is. If it's something that you want, and if it's a big deal to you, then that is important to me as a coach. And I don't think there's enough coaches that operate that way. Because too many too many are stratifying the world in some way based on whatever it might be. Pace being probably the most common. And again, I don't think that has any place in this sport if you're really treating it the right way. Because as I've said before, anybody can train with the same principles of the best professional athletes. Because if you have a body, if you're willing to show up, if you're willing to do the work, if you're willing to put one foot in front of, the, in front of another, then you can benefit from that work. And so my mission as a coach is to show that to people, show them that they're worthy of those same training principles of the best elite runners, show them that they're worthy of any goal that might excite them, that might get them going, show them that that goal in and of itself is worthy and worthy compared to anyone else's, and then show them that they're worthy of being invested in just like anybody else. And so that's what I do to try to change the paradigm on this in our sport. But there's opportunity, I think, for everyone to think about it differently and especially for coaches to make sure that they're checking themselves on this. But as it relates, getting back to this idea of I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I think if you could put a word or at least label this kind of concept, then you might think about it as imposter syndrome. I think a lot of us have imposter syndrome. And that imposter syndrome concept can change. Initially, when you get into running, it might be, I'm not a runner. I'm not worthy of being in this group. I sort of feel out of place. This isn't my you know group of people. And that might be something that you struggle with, just, just showing up in a community of runners initially. And then it's going to manifest as your goals change and evolve and suddenly it might go, might then transition to, I'm not worthy of being around this group of marathoners. They do more work than I do or whatever it may be. But we have this idea of imposter syndrome. And so I want to read a, a, an Instagram post from Stephanie Bruce, who is an elite level marathoner. She posted this about feeling imposter syndrome herself, actually racing a 5K this past weekend where she ran a 15-20 5K incredibly fast. It was just three seconds off of her personal best. And she, but she got beat handily in the race by other athletes that ran faster. 
And so she talks about how she felt like that was a mediocre performance and then talks about this idea of how even she faces imposter syndrome. And so she says this, I see too many people being held back or paralyzed by imposter syndrome. We have a tendency to judge ourselves based on where we stack up against our peers and on the result board. If we have a breakthrough race, we are validated to shout it from the rooftops. Even more disturbing is we feel our opinion and voice matters when we throw down a a stellar result, but fail to meet your goal or fall flat on your face and we retreat into a hole, ashamed to share our story because it can't possibly be worth anything if we didn't run well. Having been in this sport for over a decade, I'm here to tell you it's all BS. Just because your race result did not align with your goal or dream going in does not invalidate you as a person or as an athlete. The sport can be so elitist in that way where if you've never made an Olympic team or won medals, you'll never earn the respect of some of your peers. Or you're not in the track circuit. Circle, have the most following, get pre-race mentions, etc. All things that mean nothing. What matters is what's inside of you and how you display that spirit and get back up when you fall and how you treat others when you're on top. I've been both on top and on the bottom, I've, and I've never been an imposter because I live my truth and know my worth. Again, getting back to that point of worth. And so, okay, so again, we all face this in some way. We all think for some reason we're not good enough or for some reason we're not worthy enough, or perhaps you might think, in my current state, I'm not good enough. If I only changed X, Y, and Z, then I would be good enough to go after my goal. And as Stephanie so eloquently said, it's all BS. And so what do we have to do to deal with this insecurity? We have to change the narrative in our heads. At least this is what we can do individually. And so first thing is change the narrative in your own head. Change the narrative in your own head. How do we do that? I firmly believe by using words of affirmation, by writing down and repeatedly repeating words of affirmation that will cancel those other feelings. And it's going to have to be personal to you. It's going to have to fit with how your insecurities manifest. But for example, there has been a time in my life where I used the mantra or the personal affirmation, I am strong, I am fast. I am strong, I am fast to help cancel or override thoughts to the contrary in my life. And so I think you need to find some positive words of affirmation that will speak truth to the lie, which is the insecurity and self-doubt that I'm talking about. And then use it and repeat it consistently and constantly on a daily basis. Write it down, publish it somewhere, post it on your mirror, on your fridge, in your car, wherever you will see it regularly so that you can reframe that idea in your head. I've also heard the tip and James Dodds, my my former guest on this show, uses this where he changes his passwords to be some sort of positive affirmation or reminder to him that he is working on in a given moment. And so every time you enter that password on email or on some other website, it reinforces this positive point that you are good enough. You are worthy. You're not slow. You're not too old. You're not 
too heavy. You are exactly what you need to be to accomplish the goals that you want to accomplish. All you have to do is keep showing up and doing the work. And so that's one thing you can do is work on those positive words of affirmation that will cancel or override those doubts as they come so that you can flick that devil off your shoulder when he or she pops up. Second point here is you have the opportunity to change the narrative for others too. And I think as a part of changing the narrative for others, it can help you change the narrative in your own head. And so I would consider and think about where in your life you might have the opportunity to speak truth and affirmation into the live lives or life of someone else or some or some other group because that will help you reinforce those internal dialogues as well shift those internal dialogues to being positive. I've talked about this before but I can tell you that every single not every single, but most of the vast majority of Olympians I've gotten to interview either on this podcast or the Clean Sport Collective podcast have one thing in common, which is that they had someone speak truth into their life early in their career, well before they showed the promise of being an Olympian, to say, you can be an Olympian someday. Could have been a coach, a parent, a teammate, friend, someone, a, 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 a teacher could have been someone in their life that had influence over them that said, Hey, you have the potential to be this great if you believe it. And so I firmly believe in the power of speaking that truth into the lives of others. Now the trick is typically for it to resonate, you have to have credibility with them, which means you typically have to know them in some way and know them well. And you also have to have credibility in that space, in that sport, so that it means something to them. But I would just encourage you to think about your world, your spheres, and it could be running related, it could be career related, it could be some other subject matter that you have confidence and perspective. And find someone that you believe in and just tell them that. Tell them exactly what you believe they're capable of and then work in some small way to guide them towards that possibility. Because I promise you, if you speak that kind of truth into someone else's life, not only will it make a big difference in their life because it may unlock potential in them that they didn't see coming, but it's also going to help you unlock the potential in yourself. And that's the beauty of giving this type of thing away. So speak truth to someone else, which will help reinforce that truth inside of you. And without being too demonstrative, it'll help you help us change the narrative in our sport about what people can and can't do. Because again, everyone is worthy. Everyone is good enough. All goals are worthy. All goals are good enough and worthy enough of the investment of the resources that might be out there. And I want to encourage everyone listening to own that in whatever form they need to. If you have a body, you're an athlete, own it, and then show up and do the work. 
So that's insecurity number one. Let's get to the next one. But first, let's talk about Green Chef. They are my, my meal kit partner and have been supplying me with really, really amazing meals. They're the first USDA certified organic meal company. They use clean ingredients that you can trust that are seasonally sourced for peak freshness and their recipes are all changing based on what is best within each season. And then they send you all of the ingredients that you need, pre-measured, perfectly portioned, mostly prepped so that you can easily put it together using a paint by numbers recipe to have delicious home cooked meals. Really good stuff. Last time I told you about the the pesto panko chicken that I was going to try for lunch. I cooked that up after recording that episode and it was just so good. Pesco, pesto panko chicken, perfectly done, if I do say so myself. Really well seasoned. And then it came with a side of potatoes and kale salad that were also really, really good. And so they're just wonderful organic meals that you can make at home, but they make it easy for you by putting everything together for you. And of course, if you have any particular meal preferences, you can tailor that to fit your lifestyle using their meal plans. They've got keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, and of course, their balanced living option if you're just looking to eat healthier. So check them out. You can go to greenchef.com forward slash 90 rogue and use code 90 rogue to get $90 off, including free shipping. Again, that's greenchef.com forward slash 90-R-O-G-U-E and use code 90ROGUE, that's 90-R-O-G-U-E to get $90 off your order and free shipping. They're the number one meal kit company for eating well and I promise you, you will love it. So with that, let's get back to our discussion about insecurities. Getting to number two on my list, we talked about that first, that feeling of not being good enough. Second, let's talk about this idea that you are somehow defined by your past failures. So many times this comes up in my coaching conversations where people will say or think that they're defined by their past. And that can come in a few different forms. It could come in the form of thinking that you're defined by your last race, that race, a race that may not have gone as well as you would like. Or it could come in the form of you're defined by perhaps your past season of work that wasn't exactly what you thought it should be. I've had mothers talk to me about how they think that they can't get back to what they were able to do before having children when they return to running afterwards because somehow they're different now and and they're now defined by somehow different rules versus owning the fact that they're badass moms who can now accomplish whatever they want and so they're somehow defined by the the past and that they've had this gap of perhaps rigorous focused training because they were rightly so focused on other things and focus on having a child and then when they get back into it they somehow think that they're defined by that period where they weren't in heavy focus training because they were prioritizing something else and that just simply isn't true. I have many many moms that come back to training and go on to do amazing things and so that's just 
one example, but there are many of those that feel like they're defined by their past result, their past season of life, their past training paces. And so it can manifest in a lot of ways, but we often in the in this with this insecurity couch the future or the potential for the future based on what our past or what or based on what we think our past tells us about what we can accomplish. And I completely understand that perspective. I mean, we've all been there. We've all had bad races, for example, and we've all thought there's no way that I could do better than that because I gave everything I could to that race. And for whatever reason, it just didn't happen. And so I completely understand coming to it from this place. But what I think is important in the conversation when we reflect on our past is reframing how we're allowing it to influence the future. So I think it's important to reframe how you allow the past to influence the future. So what does that mean? Because I'll tell you what it, I'll tell you what happens in practice when you let the past define you. What happens in practice when you let the past define you is you say things like, I can't do this because of what happened to me before. Or I'm worried I'll be able to get this goal because I'm afraid the same thing will happen that happened before. In that situation, you're letting the past put constraints around the future. You're letting the past put constraints around the future and that isn't productive. What we can do is take lessons from the past. We can take lessons from the past, but not allow the past to put constraints on us. You can take lessons from the past, but not allow the past to put constraints on us. So that might look like learning that you need to better manage your fueling in a race where you bonked and figuring out new ways to potentially manage in-run nutrition because of that experience. It means take that lesson, certainly, carry that forward into the future and put it to use. But don't let that race where you bonked put constraints or define what you can accomplish in the next race. I often say there are training results and there's racing results. and In a perfect world, the two things sing happily together and you do all the work and the racing result follows. But unfortunately, because our sport is a harsh harsh one at times, that is often not true. Where sometimes you have amazing training results, but you don't get the race result. But here's something that's always true. The training, the work, you can always take wins from that. You can always take wins from that because that work carries with you beyond the bad results. And so there's training successes even when the race wasn't a success. And so it's important to not be defined by the result. You can be defined by the work that you did, the work that you put in and the lessons that you learned from that experience. You only fail when you quit. 
you only fail when you quit. So if you keep working through the ups and downs of missing your goal, then eventually you will get there. And along the way, you'll learn things that will be necessary to you achieving it. So in the case of an injury, for example, you can think about it as a setback. You can think about it as a failure if it means you didn't go do you didn't get to go do the race that you wanted, or you could think about it as an opportunity to learn, to work on your weaknesses, to come back stronger, so that the next time you take a swing at your goal, you're able to accomplish it. So what do we do? So instead of letting those past results, those past periods of training that may have been inconsistent, instead of letting those define us. Instead of letting them put constraints and limits on what's possible now, understand what lessons you can bring forward, but be defined by the work that you're doing now, by the place you're in, in the very moment you're in it, and go get it done. Go get it done. That means that you are not your past results. You are not your past training paces or racing paces. You can let go of those limits and let your current situation be informed by exactly where you are now, by exactly the work that you've done, by exactly the fitness that you might be in, by exactly what you have the capability of accomplishing based on all of those factors in this very moment. And again, let go of the past, leave that baggage behind You are not defined by those past results. Now, the double-edged sword to that is that there may be a situation where you had a great result in the past and now you're struggling to match that result again. And you might, you might actually, this, this insecurity might flip itself on its head and you might say, well, I'll never be what I was before. In which case, you have to, again, don't define yourself by the times. Don't define yourself by the paces you can run. Focus on the work, focus on the process, and keep moving forward. Because that's all you can do. Focus on the work, focus on the process, keep moving forward. I promise you there will be brighter days, brighter moments ahead if you focus in that way. You aren't defined by your results, past or present. You're defined by the work that you're doing, and that's it. Okay, so that's insecurity number two. You are not defined by your past. Leave that behind. Take the lessons, but leave it behind. Third thing, third insecurity that I see manifest in different ways is is this one, which is the insecurity of, I haven't done enough. I haven't done enough. Or I can't do enough, or I could do more. This, especially for those of us that are type A, high achieving runners who are always trying to press the edge of what we can do, it is easy to fall in the trap of thinking, that you haven't done enough or by, or beat yourself up over the things you miss rather than the actual work that you do. And this 
particular insecurity can manifest in a couple of ways. One, it can manifest just as I said, which is it can manifest in you sort of being uh, negative or self-flagellating when you end up missing a day or missing a workout, which can cause spiraling effects to perhaps miss other workouts. You you miss one day and you beat yourself up over that and then that causes you to be be demotivated. So then you miss that second day and then it creates this vicious self-enforcing cycle where suddenly you've missed five or six days of work and are really in a negative headspace and have trouble getting back on track. So that's one way it can manifest. Another way it can manifest is in, in, is in the security of always feeling like you have to do more. You always have to press the edge versus truly allowing yourself to balance the stress and rest cycle. So I see this insecurity manifest in those that that think that they always need to go fast. If I if I run fast all the time, if I hit my reco- if I run fast on my recovery days, if I do the paces prescribed in the workout and more, then I'm going to get more from the work and I'm going to be able to overcome my own insecurities about what about whether I'm good enough to achieve my goal because I got to do extra work, so to speak, in order to overcome those insecurities in the back of your head. And so that's another way it can manifest, which is in many ways equally as dangerous because that can lead to overtraining, that can lead to injury because you're doing too much all the time. And it comes from the exact same place. So I've seen the complete polar opposites manifest around this insecurity. One is it results in spiraling that that pushes you to complete inconsistency. And then it can also go the other way and manifest in always achieving and striving in a way that just pushes you over the edge is too much, which can cause suboptimal fitness or injury or not getting your goal because you're not appropriately balancing the stress and rest cycle. And so this insecurity, I haven't done enough, is tough. It's tough. And sometimes you have to have faith in the work. Have faith in the work and in, and in the guidance you might be getting from whatever source, whether that be a training program or a coach. But you need to have the confidence and the security to execute the work and the program that you have prescribed. It takes confidence and security in your work to take a rest day appropriately. And when I say rest, I mean active rest. Take a recovery run appropriately. That was one of my episodes recently, The Art of the Recovery Run. I also talked about the long run where it's better to slow down on your long runs than to go too fast on them. Because if you do that, if you slow down, then you're getting the benefits of building aerobic capacity, of building neuromuscular resistance and resilience, and also building fueling adaptation. If you slow down and back off, then that's better for you. But you have to have confidence in that. And you have to be secure in that. And I coach athletes all the time that, especially newer athletes that get into it and they want to always press the edge, always press the edge until they learn sometimes the hard way that you have to back off. You have to balance the stress and rest cycle. And so 
how do we deal with this insecurity? How would how do we deal with this insecurity if it's manifesting in the first way, which is in the spiral, the the inactivity spiral, then I think it's important in that situation to give yourself grace. Give yourself grace. Don't beat yourself up. Don't allow your mind to go to a negative space. If you can do something rather than all that's prescribed, get that done. And if you can't do anything, that's okay. But just pick up the schedule the next day and keep moving. You've got to leave that missed day behind. Kind of goes back to number two. You're not defined by your past. That means you're not defined by that missed run in your past. So once it's behind you, move past it, focus on what's in front of you, get the next day's work done, and just keep moving. Give yourself the grace to do that. Over whatever period that might encompass, it could be a day of inactivity, it could be two days, it could be the last 12 months during this crazy pandemic, and you are not defined by that. You're defined by how you react now. Do the work the next day, the next opportunity, and then just keep moving forward. So to deal with that inactivity manifestation, give yourself grace and leave that missed work in the past. For the other side of the equation that I think you need to build faith and confidence in the training principles if you execute them appropriately. And for me, that's often best demonstrated by simply seeing the fruit of that type of labor. Give yourself a period of time where you're going to have complete faith in the program. You're going to do everything as prescribed. You're going to try as hard as you can to back off when you must. You're going to try as hard as you can to run certain paces, which might mean, for example, setting goals around recovery runs. And maybe your goals are running them at a slower pace than you've ever run. I had an athlete recently who was pressing a little bit on recovery runs, and my mission for this athlete was to try to run a 10-minute mile on the recovery run, which for her would have been slower, much slower than she would typically take those runs. And that was the mission. Go run the slowest recovery run possible. Go run the slowest recovery run possible and set goals around that. Give yourself a period of time to operate in that space where you're trying to manage the work the way it should be managed and then just let the results speak for themselves because I promise you, if you do that, then you'll start to see improvement in the workouts and eventually on race day that will reinforce that behavior as something that works. But you have to have you have to give yourself a little bit of a window, a period of time where you're gonna operate on blind faith in those principles and then let that work, let those principles manifest in you in in ways that will show you with evidence that it's working. Because what you'll see when you balance stress and rest appropriately is that you start to be able to put more into your quality workouts and you'll see that you get more out of those race results and you'll you'll see things trending in the right direction maybe you'll you'll be healthier than you've ever been before you'll feel better than you have 
before and that will reinforce that behavior in a way that is going to pay off and to continually reinforce doing it the right way. And so sometimes you just have to give yourself that window where you're just going to invest in these principles with blind faith and then just see what it does. Give it, give it three months, give it five months. I'd really ask for six if I was being greedy as a coach. Give it six months of committing to this type of training and set goals around balance and slowing down when you need to that are going to help you get there, that are going to be markers of achievement in that way of backing off. Because if you do that, if you commit to that, then I promise you it'll manifest in results that will reinforce that behavior and show you that it is indeed the right way. And it'll give you confidence that you're doing enough, that doing enough isn't necessarily always pressing the edge. It is balancing it all, balancing stress and rest so that you can ultimately get the most on race day. And sometimes that means backing off. So just try it and show yourself that it will result in things you never thought possible. So that's my third insecurity. I haven't done enough or I could do more. And we've got to let that go. We've got to let that go because it's just not helpful. It's just not helpful. You can only control today. You can only control what you are doing today, what you did today. You can't change the past work. You certainly can't leap into the future and do more. You can only do what is right in front of you. And so I'm asking you to do that. And that's all. And don't let yourself be defined by anything else. Okay. So there you go. Three running insecurities. Yes, you are good enough. No, you are not defined by your by your past. And yes, you have done enough. You've done all you could. And if you meditate on and embrace those messages, then I promise you it will unlock potential in your future that will allow you to knock that devil off your shoulder and go achieve and accomplish things that you never thought possible because you're not going to let anything hold back, hold you back under that scenario. And so leave the doubts behind. Know that they'll pop up occasionally, but put some of these tips to work to knock that devil off your shoulder so that it doesn't hold you back. All right, with that, we'll wrap this episode Again, you can check out greenchef.com. Use the code 90ROGUE for $90 off and free shipping. Otherwise, you can check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on Twitter or Instagram at roguerunning. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.